Hey everybody, welcome to Gold Bold. I'm your host, Jody Atariwala. So one of the great things about this podcast is it allows me an avenue to explore topics that interest me, and I think would interest you as well. So today I'm going to be covering a topic called VIDAR, and VIDAR stands for Visual Detection and Ranging. So what VIDAR is, is it's a system that autonomously finds objects on the surface of the ocean or on land over vastly greater areas than traditional search methods. So a perfect use application for this type of technology, which is akin to an optical radar because it uses cameras and software, is in maritime search and surveillance. So if you've ever been in an aircraft on a search mission and you're flying over the water and you're trying to spot a person or you're trying to spot a small vessel, um, you know how difficult that is, particularly in higher sea state conditions. So VIDAR is a newer technology that, unlike radar or unlike an optical camera, um, VIDAR uses cameras and software to pick out differences. And it is something that's interested me for, for a while, and today we're going to be talking with Sentient Vision Systems, who specializes in VIDAR technology. So let's get into that conversation. On today's The Bleeding Edge series, we're speaking with Sentient Vision Systems, which is headquartered in Australia. Sentient is a developer of computer vision and artificial intelligence software solutions for defense and civilian applications. The company specializes in products used in intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance applications, and one of their specializations is in imagery analysis that automatically detects and tracks small moving objects over land or small objects on the surface of the ocean. Today, I'm speaking with Damien Tyrell, a business development director with Sentient. Damien, welcome to Go Bold. Hey, thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much for being here. I, I, I appreciate your time. Uh, so, Damien, tell me a little bit about yourself and, and how you found yourself at, at Sentient Vision Systems. Oh, that's, a, that's quite a long story, so I'll, I'll shorten it down for you. Sure. Um, so, my background is um, Australian military and uh, worked extensively with the U.S. military as well for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, moved into yeah, technology-based uh, businesses outside of that, and I joined Sentient Vision uh, only three years ago. Um, and I was really impressed with the technology that they had and uh, the direction that they were taking. So it was a fantastic opportunity to join a, a well-established small company uh, um, and uh, and do some amazing work, and particularly with the uh, the way the technology is used to actually save lives that, that's uh, that's one of my real passions about doing this work well and that's awesome and i approached you guys because um i had seen some videos about your technology and i just thought wow this is this is game changing in in my view and i i wanted to learn more about it and what i saw in particular uh, was your VIDAR systems. And my own uh, knowledge base, uh, I, I understand what electro-optical and infrared sensors do and what they are. Um, 
I guess I should say that the other way around, <laughs> what they are and what they do. But I, I'm not as familiar with VIDAR. And so that's really what I would love to learn through this chat. Um, I don't know what it is, uh, but I would love for, for you to, to share that with me and with our listeners. Because as I said, I from what I've seen on the videos that you guys have published, um, it really is a game changer in things like uh, intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance and uh, certainly uh, in search and rescue applications okay I'll tell you what I want to start with uh, a bit of a good news story the, how the technology was used awesome. and then I'll and then I'll step back and talk about where we came from the technologies that you're interested in how they work uh, and then where we're going in the future with this Beautiful. Uh, would that work for you yeah I, Excellent. I think that sounds like a great approach awesome Okay, so earlier this year, uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Nigel Fox um, had to cut himself loose from his yacht. He was a solo sailor um, off the coast of Australia uh, in a in a storm, um, and he cut himself loose, and he was adrift. Fortunately, he actually was wearing a, a life preserver, a personal flotation device, mm-hmm. and had a personal locator beacon with him that he activated. And so I was able to guide the Australian Maritime Safety Agency aircraft, they use a Challenger 604 jet, um, out to uh, to his location. Um, given the environmental conditions, they couldn't find him with the, the surface radar. Uh, very difficult to find him uh, using electro-optic uh, turret or even you know human eye out the window. But they actually have one of our VIDAR systems on board. And that was able to... Uh, identify him and give them a a geolocation and uh, so they were able to then circle drop a raft to him and then stay on station until the the rescue vessel actually arrived so he was in the water for eight hours 100 kilometers off the coast in uh, pretty poor conditions and he had drifted 23 kilometers away from his yacht uh, so very fortunate man, Mr. Nigel Fox. But yeah, you know, they're the sort of stories that we like to tell because our technology is saving lives. No kidding. So, <laughs> I I bet Mr. Fox is thrilled that you guys you guys have are are out there. That's for sure. Yeah. No. No. Um, so where did we come from? So yeah. the company's been around since 1999. Okay. And our core business is writing. Uh, you know, solid code around uh, using artificial intelligence, deep learning, um, computer vision to find hard-to-see objects in full-motion video or near-full-motion video. And we do that and we process it and we, we um, then present that to the operator. And we present it in, in a couple of ways. One is that we'll present a small red box of the object uh, on the to enhance the operator's vision Okay. On their screen. Mm-hmm. The other way uh, that we do it is we actually provide a small thumbnail of the actual object itself and provide that to the mission system um, with some metadata around it. So there's, there's two ways we do it, and they're two different products. Mm-hmm. The first one is called Kestrel, and that was first introduced in 2008 and was used extensively by the coalition forces on UAVs and fixed-wing uh, aircraft um, in theaters of operation in the Middle East um, okay. for detection over land and, and sea. Okay. So that particular technology looks at over 60 different factors on every frame that's coming through from the from the primary investigation turret, whether it's on a UAV or an aircraft, mm-hmm. processes that, and then 
depending on the level of confidence, will actually present that little red box around an object, which could be as small as one or two pixels. So we're really looking at high fidelity detection of hard to find objects. So this actually enables the operators to have a much wider field of view, covering about 20 times the area that they would normally look at and present that information to them, not only just the detection, but also the geolocation of that object. And all of that information is available downstream to mapping systems and uh, PED systems and other uh, ISR analytic systems as well. So very effective for prompting an operator uh, where there might be an object of interest. And that's used by militaries, border forces, uh, law enforcement extensively. There are thousands of those units uh, already in the field being used every single day in over 60 countries. Wow. Okay. So it's a, a, a very effective uh, system. Mm -hmm. uh, but we wanted to do better than that. We wanted to provide something that would automate that system even further and provide more benefit uh, to the operators and the, the systems. Okay. So in 2014, the engineers started working on the uh, premise of separating the search function from the investigation function, which is currently uh, done by using the, the primary turret, um, which means that if you find an object that you need to investigate, you have to zoom in. And that actually means that you've lost your situational awareness. Right. So what we, so what we did was we said, okay, let's put a small array of uh, small cameras, um, about the size of a coffee cup, each each camera, including lens, and let's put that in a, a small form factor, small swap, onto the aircraft itself, and have that do the detection, so that do the search function of this, and then pass that information to the operator. They can then use the turret to investigate the objects that they might find of interest. That was the overall concept at the time. Mm -hmm. So. That was the birth of visual detection and ranging. So it operates very similar to a radar, but it doesn't transmit anything. It's entirely passive. Oh, interesting. So what we're doing, okay. so what we're doing is collecting EO and IR full motion video, mm -hmm. and we are processing that right near the sensors themselves mm. on, on dedicated processes. Only the thumbnail and the metadata associated with the detection is then sent to the operator's console. And they can choose to look at it um, or so, uh, save it for later. And what it'll do is actually uh, provide a little thumbnail of the image, uh, put a pin on the map um, that they can actually then overlay with other information such as AIS, weather radar, search radar, um, mapping systems, uh, those type of things uh, to give them great situational awareness. And if they wish to, they can then double click on the icon and it would automatically cue to slew the primary turret to the object, zoom in to a fixed field of view for them to very quickly uh, investigate the object. Now, that sounds very simple because all of the magic is happening you know, behind the scenes. Right. It's a very simple interface for the operator, mm -hmm. uh, which means that they can concentrate on what they do best, which is to investigate and interrogate um, targets of interest um, while this, the system is continuing to provide uh, additional information. This way, the aircraft can actually maintain a steady search pattern mm -hmm. or surveillance pattern, mm -hmm. and they're covering much larger swaths out to 20 nautical miles either side of the aircraft, which they wouldn't be able to do 
you know, with just the EOIR turret very effectively. Right. And so by doing this, they're able to now paint the Earth's surface, the maritime surface, uh, and search it very effectively, getting over 300 times the coverage area than if they were to use traditional EOIR search methodology. That's amazing. So, yeah. Because my understanding of EOIR is that it's akin to looking through a soda straw. You know, you're you're looking at where at whatever you are. You can have a wide field of view, but and you know you narrow down to something that you're interested in. Um, But as you do that, as you get narrower and narrower, or you zoom into a a particular position. you lose that situational awareness, that that greater field of regard. And so if I'm understanding you correctly, you're using this... Now, you mentioned this sensor, this passive sensor that has these coffee mug-sized apertures that are looking around. Now, is that the VIDAR product itself um, that that feeds into the into the aircraft systems? Or, or can you integrate a VIDAR solution into like an, an existing EOIR sensor? That's a really good question. So the the VIDAR system itself consists of two main components. The first one is a hardware array of camera sensors, EOIR lenses suitable for the mission profile, the coverage area you want, you want to view, okay. um, uh, associated processes. So that's the hardware portion of the detection we'll call it a pod mm-hmm. um, that will need to be fitted either in the aircraft itself uh, into this, the skin of it mm-hmm. um, or on the outside of the aircraft in a, a standalone pod, whether it's uh, crewed or uncrewed um, aircraft. Okay. The, the true VIDAR piece itself is actually the software because we're a software company. Right. Right. Um, and that sits with the processes in the hardware itself where the bulk of the work is done. Mm -hmm. And then there's an interface to the mission system itself. And you can use any mission system today. So the VIDAR system is designed to be middleware and interface to uh, any mission system and also then interface to any EOIR turret, so existing turret. So it's a very flexible system to add to existing aircraft or new aircraft. I'd like to take this moment to thank our sponsor, Cubic Mission and Performance Solutions. Cubic provides C5 ISR capabilities for defense, intelligence, security, and commercial missions. So what is C5 ISR? C5 ISR comprises command, control, communications, computers, cyber, and intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. So Cubic's C5 ISR solutions provide information capture, assessment, exploitation, and dissemination in a secure network-centric environment. Cubic is enabled by six decades of success, and their commitment to continuous innovation ensures that their customers are prepared for their next mission. To learn more about them, please visit them at cubic.com. I'd like to thank Cubic for their support for this program because what we're trying to do is share people's first-hand experiences and preserve history while also educating and informing. They've been a great partner to us and we thank them very much for their support. Now let's get back to our show. What 
size are we are we looking at form factor in terms of like the hardware perspective because you did mention uh manned or unmanned so typically unless unless we're talking about global hawk or something like the sky guardian or or predator type aircraft which are 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 decent size and have have a decent payload um most unmanned systems are are smaller uh, and that's the beauty of being a software company mm. um yeah we, we get to utilize whatever sensors are available in the market today and the developments that go on there so over the last five years sensor packages so you know the cameras and the lenses etc mm -hmm. have um, increased in performance or resolution and they've actually decreased significantly in size so we're not we're not actually tied to one set of sensors we use a variety of sensors from different manufacturers to suit the aircraft and to suit the mission set for the customer itself so uh, the Challenger 604 aircraft, very large, um, fast jet, and you know that has a, a much larger swap that we can use, size, weight, and power available. Okay. But over the years, we've been able to put that down onto the Scan Eagle, mm -hmm. which is a, a, a Group 2 UAV. Right. And in fact, I can tell you that we can place this down onto a Group 1 hand launch UAV as well. Wow. Um, so that's that's the beauty of, of where sensor technology is going and it's just accelerating it's, it's really exciting to be able to uh, almost have a a toolkit of sensors that we can then utilize to put into any form factor uh, and use the, the various algorithms that we have uh, for either kestrel or particularly for vida uh, to get to get the most out of that and interface to any other mission system that exists today that's awesome. Um, you know, we've talked about that example with Mr. Fox and, and finding him in a maritime domain, you know, a, a open ocean or, or could be the littoral, doesn't matter, I guess. Um, but to what degree is, is a system like this usable over land uh, for land applications as well? So VIDA Maritime uh, is, was actually designed and uh, for the maritime environment, okay. particularly for wide area, search, persistent stare capabilities. And it's designed to actually find things that don't have a radar cross-signature. Ah. So ah. people in the water, life vests, rafts, um, semi-submersibles. U.S. Coast Guard is one of our largest users of this technology, and they're uh, finding semi-submersibles, uh, go-fast boats, you know, pangas, those type of things, mm -hmm. that would normally be missed by you know, traditional radar and that would be very difficult for the human eye to pick out in various sea conditions. Right. Okay. So uh, I'll, get, I'll get to the, the land piece in a section sure. in a minute. Sure. So the VIDAR Maritime has actually been proven up to sea state six. Wow. Okay. Uh, very, very effective. Uh, it can find things uh, out to 33 nautical miles. We've actually found uh, ships, uh, person in the water, 1.7 nautical miles, uh, jet skis, five nautical miles. And these are things that would normally be missed in a, in a wide area search. Mm -hmm. uh, very, very effective. Now, coming back to land, um, VIDAR Maritime can't be used in a land environment, but we do actually have, um, I'm happy to tell you, we have a land variant uh, coming out at the end of the year. Oh, interesting. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't go into too many details uh, here at the moment, okay. but it is the next generation uh, capability uh, be able to not only detect but also classify um, dismount size, so people-sized objects from 
medium altitudes. Um, we're able to share that, that those specifications with you when we're close to actually launching the product itself. Right. But it's really exciting. It is the next generation, and this will be available to fit onto a tactical US tactical UAS sized aircraft, which is yeah, uh, again game changing. We're putting more processing at the edge of the battlefield or the edge of the the uh, the network itself. So all of that work is being done for the operator. That is super exciting. Uh, I, I'm I'm totally looking forward to hearing about that because, uh, in, in my mind, I'm already thinking about applications. You know, you mentioned a tactical UAS, uh, so fantastic. I, I mentioned earlier that you guys specialize in in ISR applications, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. Um, and so there's there's a whole host of things there, but my specific interest was really learning about the search and rescue applications because when I saw Vidar, I'm like, wow, if this is doing what I what I saw in the video, it's like you guys are scanning such a large swath, and somehow your computer systems, your software, are able to pick out. I, I'm assuming it's differences in pixels and and. Um, and then highlighting those as potential uh, objects of, of, of interest. Um, but certainly, and if you move it over to the land application in, in whichever way you guys do, um, the same could apply. There are lost hikers, um, people that are stuck on mountains or whatever. But to visually try to go out there and find someone, whether you're looking out the window or whether you're using an EOIR system, you just happen, you have to be lucky <laughs> in either pointing your system there or, or visually just spotting a person. Um, and so if, if your systems can do it automatically and then highlight that interest as you can do now in the maritime domain, and as you will be able to do on the land domain, that is huge. And beyond that, I can certainly see the, the connection to military applications, you know, finding bad guys or more importantly i guess one of the things i would think is maybe finding a an object or an area of interest that is different from perhaps the surrounding area so i'm thinking in terms of ieds or things to that effect yes that's a, a topic that has come up uh, a few times and uh, with the current technology particularly for kestrel there has to be an element of movement so it's not just okay. you know, movement that we're looking for, mm -hmm. but it's it's one of the factors. You know, there are over sixty things, sixty factors, sixty parameters that we look at okay. for for Kestrel, um, and um, I can't go into too many of those because mm -hmm. that's really is the, the secret sauce. Sure, sure. Uh, but um, in looking into the, the future, um, the work that we're doing now is we're actually embedding deep learning into the systems because, you know, we, we use that to train the algorithms. Mm -hmm. um, so when, they're, when they're, they're put into the field, they don't need to be trained. Uh, right. So we, we're, we're doing that. We're now embedding uh, deep learning on board the aircraft themselves mm -hmm. to improve our performance mm -hmm. and have uh, classification built into that. And that's for the VIDAR maritime at the moment. It's definitely there for the VIDAR land capabilities. And so by classifying we improve the performance but we also provide additional information for the operators such that yeah, into the future uh, and i'm talking near future mm -hmm. they'll be able to do you know, they'll be able to filter uh, look for particular types of objects um geofencing uh being able to have uh, information shared across networks as well 
Okay. So there's there's some exciting things happening, and I'll, I'll break that into two pieces. One is with Kestrel, and the other one with with Vidar itself, Vidar Maritime, and, and Vidar Land mm -hmm. eventually. Okay. So what we're what we're really focusing on doing is uh, keeping up with the the way sensors are being used and made available. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be doing more uh, multi-spectral. So uh, across various bands of IR plus EO and near IR. And then we're going to be looking at combining those. So you'll actually have those sensors multi-processed and that information processed all at the same time and presented to the operator as well, rather than switching through either EO or IR, those type of things. So more in the multi-spectral uh, type or multi-sensor, multi-spectral type areas. We're going to be doing more in classification so, you know, classifying that uh, once we have enough contextual data around it, so still high precision detection, but then, you know, is that a person? Is it a, uh, a small car? Is it a large truck? You know, those type of things. Make that available. Uh, colors, you know, filter on the color of a vehicle uh, in a scene and have that information just presented to you. Have overlays, so mapping overlays, annotations, um, uh, special special mission sets, those type of things, will be you know, incorporated into this as well as we go into into the future. Uh, we're doing a, a lot more around sensor correlation and mm. sensor fusion. Okay. Uh, in that respect, so again, we are middleware. We sit between you know, a, a variety of sensor packages uh, and the mission system itself, which can also include, you know. Surface radar, weather radar, mapping systems, AIS, those type of, of other sensor packages to provide situational awareness. Um, or the system can actually be operated on its own if you know it's a much smaller aircraft that doesn't have all of these other sensor packages. And we operate as an optical radar in that respect. That's really, really interesting. And, and obviously, the more you can use different spectrums, uh, you'll just uh, increase the, the fidelity of your systems um, uh, and the capability. This is, uh, sounds just awesome to me. Uh, one of the recent announcements that I saw that you guys have uh, made is um, a VMS pod. And I think that's where you were referencing that uh, those kind of coffee cup mug apertures. Um, now, that is that like a solution that you could just deliver to a customer if if you know you don't have like an aircraft where it gets fitted into the skin or if they don't have their own sensor existing already on their platform yes you're right uh, a couple of weeks ago we did actually announce a new hardware line of pods the first one is the uh, vita maritime um, or the vms5 pod okay mm -hmm. which is an which is which is eo and ir and that uh, is a is a, is a standalone pod, uh, complete with EOIR cameras, processors, uh, and and um, the the actual fit out itself. It uses standard uh, mounts, so you can use such, such as, uh, something like a, a meter mount, okay. and attach it to any aircraft itself. Mm -hmm. And then feed the cables uh, to the aircraft, so it can be mounted uh, on a wing, um, belly mount. So there's a variety of of options there as well. So that is designed for those customers who just want to take the pod as it is and attach it to the aircraft. And they may want to you know, have it on a variety of aircraft. You know, they may have one pod and share it amongst three 
aircraft types as they cycle through maintenance or operations. Right, yeah. So it's a, a very flexible option for a, a range of aircraft, crewed and uncrewed. By adding that pod, you now have effectively increased the capabilities of that aircraft by 300 times. The oh. same aircraft in the, in the same time can cover 300 times the area more effectively, more efficiently. That's awesome. One of the things that I, I like that you mentioned, um, which is particularly important, I think, in, in for military customers, is is the um, is the fact that it's a passive sensor. You are not emitting any energy, uh, which is in in military applications. That's quite important these days. Yeah, that's a, an inherent uh, part of the way the technology works because we are processing yeah, imagery that's presented to us. So there's no reason to to transmit, which means that the uh, you know for law enforcement, government agencies, uh, other applications, you can have your sensor package uh, silent. It's passive. And uh, so you can surveil an area for much longer um, or shadow uh, an asset for much longer uh, without having to use an active system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one thing I'm wondering about is, uh, and obviously the applications perhaps are less in this regard, but um, I was going to ask you if there's an analog to this that would be, you know, that you'd be able to look into the sky with. Um, but I guess that's what radar is. <laughs> you don't really need VIDAR uh, kind of pointing upwards. It, it, and uh, it, the reason why I was going down that line of thought was just thinking of things like um, base security or counter uh, like CRAM you know, where, where you're trying to counter artillery and mortars and, and kind of that type of solution, if, if, if this could help in, in any way, but, um, clearly, obviously the, the, the thrust is looking down as opposed to the other way around. Uh, correct. So we have had discussions around, you know, a ground to air or, you know, something used for, you know, counter UAS detection, those mm-hmm. type of, of things. Sure. Yep. Um, it's it's an avenue that we we continue to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no announcement around that, mm-hmm. uh, but something we have actively looked at, and this may be of interest uh, in a, in, a, in, a, in a separate area, mm-hmm. is uh, placing vidar or even Kestrel onto ships oh. um, uh, for the detection of asymmetric warfare type um, threats, right. such as uh, you know small fast boats you know we've, we've right. seen in the news over the years uh, some of those asymmetric threats mm-hmm. um, being used mm-hmm. uh, to, to do that to help augment because ships actually have people with binoculars uh, various depending on the size of the ship uh, a couple of people searching the the ocean surface for threats that the radar systems can't detect right for uh, yeah for, for navigation those type of things and the really exciting piece about this, and it's called it's a VIDAR surface, mm-hmm. is with the rise of unmanned surface vessels, mm-hmm. you don't actually have or optionally, optionally crewed vessels, is you actually don't have that person as a lookout providing that level of detection capability. Well, we can automate that. Effectively, where it's, a, it's an automated sentry for the, the vessel in the... Um, near field area around the, around the ship itself. So some really exciting uh, developments happening there. And then if you, you take that uh, thought process just a little bit further and you say, well, 
You can have an unmanned surface vessel, which has this capability, but it can also have nested within it, say, UAVs. Right. And yes. then they can, they can, which may have VIDAR on it, and they can share that information and have a much uh, larger situational awareness. So this is you know, into the future, but not that far in the future. That is so cool. Yeah, it, the applications seem to be, um, well, clearly uh, just growing. And 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 the, the beautiful thing about where you guys are in your space is middleware. As technology advances, things get smaller. And, and you, you mentioned that earlier. So I suspect that you will probably be seeing more and more of these uh, systems and sensors out there um, uh, for a host of different applications. And it actually is a great way to perhaps wrap up this discussion by, by you know, you've mentioned that, that the U.S. Coast Guard and, and Australia is using um, VIDAR and, uh, and uh, your Kestrel systems. Um, any other examples that you'd like to point out and, and share? Because uh, I, I think it would be helpful to kind of know who already has recognized your technology and adopted it. Okay, so for Kestrel, that's been around since 2008. Mm -hmm. um, US, uh, Australian coalition, NATO forces around the world mm -hmm. uh, continue to utilize it. Uh, law enforcement and border force in the, the, the US and, and Europe are using it. Middle East, um, Coast Guards um, are also using uh, Kestrel as well. Mm -hmm. VIDAR is a more recent technology since 2014, so the Australian Maritime Safety Agency, uh, which operates for uh, Challenger 604s, and they have a large responsibility for about 10% of the, the Earth's surface uh, wow. that they they have to uh, monitor and uh, and are responsible for. The U.S. Coast Guard, with just a very effective uh, implementation on ScanEagle, mm -hmm. uh, are using it extensively for counter narcotics and uh, you know, illegal activities uh, oh. detection okay. of that. Uh, there's a few other uh, militaries. The Canadian Ocean and Fisheries actually recently announced uh, a new fleet of, of aircraft that, that do actually have VIDAR fitted to it as well. So there's quite a number of, of government entities and private entities out there that are utilizing both Kestrel and VIDAR, and it's, uh, it's continuing to grow. There's a few other projects, large projects in the works uh, that uh, you know, we hope to, to share with you uh, in the coming months. Oh, that is fantastic. Uh, Damien, thank you so much for sharing some of your time with me today. I, I think mission accomplished in, in what I set out to learn because I didn't really know uh, about VIDAR in particular, and um, and now now I do. So uh, so I think we, we've, we've succeeded on that front, but I've, I've learned some other things as well, and I'm, I'm really excited for the future and, and hearing what you guys are focused on because I think that's exciting, exciting stuff. So uh, I hope that we can perhaps revisit that, especially when you, when you launch that, uh, the land application for VIDAR. That, that would be a, a wonderful chat. And we would be happy to have that chat with you and uh, share with you you know, what that particular product is going to be able to do. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Damien Tyrell of Sentient Vision Systems. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you and uh, I look forward to our next chat. Me too. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Thank you so much. 
thanks, everybody. Uh, that was Damien Tyrell of Sentient Vision Systems. Uh, if you have any questions about the VIDAR, uh, please reach out to us at goboldthepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we'll, we'll gather a list of questions and maybe we'll present them to Damien for, for our next chat. Um, thanks for joining us on Go Bold. And we look forward to having you join us on another episode. Have a great day, everyone. The views and opinions expressed in this presentation are solely those of the participants. This podcast is copyright and all rights are reserved. No portion may be reproduced or used in any manner without the express written permission of the publisher who can be reached at goboldthepodcast at gmail.com. The music on this podcast is Parasail by Silent Partner.